The Real Investment Show. And good morning. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rouse, CFP, here with Ulysses S. Ratliff, a.k.a. Danny CFP. And we're here to help you make sense of things. In the world of Grinchonomics, Brandonomics, Inflationomics, whatever we talk about today, Danny, add uh, omics. It. It'd be fun. Perfect. I'm bouncing up and down to try to stay awake. It'll stop in a minute. Well, speaking of awake, it looks like the market is. Last year we talked about, because we're going to talk a lot about inflation today, and we've been writing a lot about it. Um, but last year, and last year we talked about it. So something I want to talk about before next year, which I'll get held accountable to. But I think next year, Danny. And I, listen, I have no data for this. This is just a gut. Listen, we've been in this business a long time. You get gut feelings, right? That next year is going to be tough. Next year, I think a lot of what is going on, the, the economic headwinds finally hits the market, especially with the Fed is not as supportive to markets because they just may not be able to be, right? And this all comes down to this inflation. Is it transitory? Is it permanent? Is it something I call permatory? Something in the middle? So, you know, I just think next year, I've been telling clients, right, for this year, listen, we've got great profits. We're going to take this money. I've had clients take money for, for, to fund goals that they're going to fund in two years. I need a new car I, I'm next year, Rich. I need to do this. I want to take this trip. We're taking the profits now. I'm having you move that money into a high-yield online savings account bank because I am very concerned. And, I, and listen, I don't, I'm not saying a crash. I'm not saying even a correction. I'm saying just very sluggish, ho-hum kind of volatility whipsawing in the face of stagflation. And, you know, and it's just a gut thing, Danny. We'll see if I'm, if I'm correct. But I think... The headwinds of what we're seeing, depending on what kind of a stimulus package comes through um, for so-called infrastructure, um, what that is going to do. Larry Summers pens it. He, he penned this about inflation in the Financial Times when the stimulus first started with pandemic. He, and he's out again talking about it. And uh, I think it's a fair question that... Um, Next year, I think the economic reality hits the fan. Any commentary? Yeah, well, you've had accumulation of, of a number of things that have continued to occur, not to mention you throw in a pandemic. And most of the problems we had prior to pandemic are, are still here. And so I think that would be reasonable to think that, okay, the Fed's going to pull back. And it seems like the Fed is always the one that disrupt the markets. Yes. Um, at least in some ways. Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, there's, there's those... Um, those once, those one kind of events, right? The the big deals, but and those are likely going to occur as well. We just don't know exactly what that is as of yet. But the Fed, I think, is going to control. They're going to be in control here for a while. And when they start to get a little more hawkish, that seems to be problematic. I mean, look back to 2018, mm -hmm. you know, Oct October of 2018, fourth quarter. That was the worst fourth quarter we've seen since the Great Depression. I know, so, it's terrible. Remember. Yeah, 20% down. And, you know, on, on the heels of a really good year, we actually had Q2 and Q3 were the best quarters for earnings that we'd ever seen. I think it was like 25% both quarters. 
And now that was on the the back of the the new tax code. A lot of that was was uh, was from that. But you know, we're going to have the opposite impact now. We're going to be taxing people more, having some uh, you could say quote unquote unfriendly, unfriendly business taxes. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen now? And and not to mention, we're coming off a pretty good year. We're seeing that valuations are very extended. This could this could pose some issues. And the volatility game. I mean, talk about that, Rich. We've seen so much volatility, um, you know, in the last month. And really, that's what, you know, everybody feels like it's so much. But that's probably what we should tend to expect on a day-to-day basis. At least that's what markets used to attack. Mm-hmm. So what are people going to do? And especially if we start some of the big names or the tech guys start getting hit, do we see where people used to hide money in Apple and Google and Amazon? Does that change things as well? Because it becomes such a big part of the market. Yeah, to your point, where do you hide and in some ways, you've been hiding more in financials and energy um, based on the inflationary outlook and not and the fact that, again, we just wrote a piece about inflation that I wrote and, and um, Mike wrote a really great piece on inflation where energy prices might stay sustained because of policies. In other words, the market's going to be up against some nasty fiscal policies that it just may not yet comprehend. And that's what I'm concerned about. Now, does the fiscal stimulus, how does the market feel about that? You know, I I thought about it in my head. Is it just that, hey, the uncertainty's over. We know what's in it now. As far as it's going to be $2 trillion, it's got passed. Or does the market say, whoa, the reality of this is hitting me. What is the impact on GDP? What is the impact on productivity? employment. Listen, we've got this employment problem, right? We got four and a half million people that just are gone, right? Yeah. We don't know where they went. I mean, there's a, there, it's a soup of issues oh, that's we, creating these problems, right? With people we not know where they back. went, Rich. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> they're just not being counted on the labor force participation rate any longer. Well, this is the worst labor force participation rate we've seen in what? Since maybe the seventies or eighties? I yeah, mean, you got to go way back. But yeah, I mean, it's it's shocking that people are just leaving the labor force. And where are they going? And what are they doing? Are people just learning to live with less? Um, it's the pandemic has changed a lot of things. But one of the things I think is going to stick around is inflation in various pockets or elements that hurt middle class people the most. And yesterday, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, but yesterday, client asked me a really great question, and it's a very simple question. What do I do about inflation? It's not, it's not how do I invest, and that's why the question got me, Danny. It's not how do I invest if there's inflation. It was what do I do? And this is from a retiree who manages his money very well and lives very simply. So I think we broaden that scope. Free your mind. What do I do about inflation? Not just how I invest, but what does have to change for me and my family? We'll get we'll talk about that when we get back. And also Medicare open enrollment. New study by the Kaiser Foundation. I want to spend just a couple of minutes on that. Something I wrote about a couple of weeks ago. A study that just came out here on The Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back. You know, Grandma Rosso was the best at what to do about inflation. So not only does she go through the Depression, and she has to live at my grandfather, which is depressing enough. <laughs> he was so crabby. I used to walk in the house and go, where's Grandpa? He's sulking in the corner. He didn't even look at me. He just going, yeah, yeah. Right? You know, his Italian grandfathers, right? He's sitting there with his wine. It's like 7.59 in the morning. And he's already crabby. And uh, so Grandma has to go through that. And then she's got to go through the 70s inflation. Right? So I wish she were here to tell me that what to do. But before we get to that, before we get to that, this is a big day for numbers. We've got Empire Manufacturing coming up. We've got retail sales for month-over-month September. Uh, we've got uh, University of Michigan sentiment, which I think is very important. The animal spirits of spending, especially when you go to shelves and it looks like a third-world country like at Walmart, and there's nothing on the shelves. Um I was at one store the other day, Danny. I can't remember what aisle I was in, but there was like no produce. <laughs> it's like every, you know, those big stacks in the middle, nothing on them. So it's a little strange in the United States. To see well, you're seeing such like a that. supply chain disruption. I mean, think about all the produce that's been sitting on barges and in, in, oh. in these cargo ships that are just sitting out of the ports. Um, you know, Michelle went actually down to the beach this week uh, on Monday, on Columbus Day, and I always like to, whenever I go with them, unfortunately, you know, dad's got to work. Um, but when I go, I always like to count the container ships or, or cargo ships that are sitting out. And she didn't count them, but she said there were so many. And she's like, I mean, it was more than, than the eye could see. I mean, it went as far as the eye could see. So kind of an interesting dynamic we're dealing with here. Imagine opening that cargo ship with all the produce. <laughs> Man, it's got to be gross. Okay, lots of maggots. Well, that's a cool horror movie kind of thing, right? You open it up and it's like the new Jurassic Park. Who knows what's in those? Who's formed out of the... There's an idea for your next... Yeah, freak fruit. I call it freak fruit. Like, you never know what's going to come out of it. Jurassic maggots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing because Grinchonomics is sort of sad. Um... <clears throat> Although I do think brandonomics has a better ring to it. Um, so inflation is definitely going to be here a while. So there have been numerous reports. Hey, before we get to that, I just want to let everybody know, Danny, we always talk about, and tomorrow we do still have a little bit of room at our retirement right lane in Austin at the Westin. Starts at 9 o'clock uh, in the morning. Do we have a few seats left? I know it was going quick. You have a couple seats left. We'd love to have you there. If you'd like to attend, go to realinvestmentadvice.com. Go to the events tab, sign up. In fact, I think when you just click on Real Investment Advice, it'll come right up and you can click on the event. So we'd love to have you out. No products, just advice, you know, looking at kind of what's going on right now. And I think there's a lot of moving parts. And so things that are going to be very important that, you know, we're also trying to wrap our heads around as far as what does this tax bill actually look like? What are some things you could be doing now? to help prevent and save more money, keep money in your pocket. And this is going to be yep. huge. I think that, you know, financial planning is going to become so much more important because of that. You know, we talk about money and, and managing funds, but, you know, a lot of times we see that the industry fails to actually plan on how do you keep money out of Uncle Sam's pocket. And so we're going to give you some tips on that. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. We would love to see you. 
Danny, we're going to have to wear like our battle armor for that. Because yeah. I think about what might happen with taxation on Social Security, Medicare premiums. And speaking of Medicare and how you can fight inflation, uh, with Medicare premiums, Medigap policy insurance, uh, insurance premiums going up, it's amazing. And I wrote this a couple of weeks ago in an article because today is a happy day. It's Medicare Open Enrollment Day through December 7th. And I read this article from the Kaiser Foundation, this study, and Kaiser is a great KFF.org, great center of information on health care. 71%, Danny, of Medicare beneficiaries do not explore their coverage op- options during open enrollment. And what an unpleasant surprise that could be. And we talk about this at the right lane as well. You, you may be very happy with your plan, but you may be overpaying, right? We see all the studies that show how older Americans just let the coverage go, right? They may have a Medicare Advantage plan. You know, I got the Joe Namath plan. Well, maybe the Jimmy J.J. Dynamite Walker plan is better, right? Maybe the William Shatner, he just went up in space. Right? Maybe that's the best plan. Spock, I'm changing my plan this week. Rich, you know what's interesting though but, about that is that how how often do we shop everything, right? You shop if you go buy a new television, a vehicle, right? You know, any yeah. any major purchases, but seventy one percent are not shopping their their insurance, something that you're paying each and every month. And and with the inflation costs and possibly not even checking your annual rate your change sheet to know, right? You could be overpaying for Part C, Part D, and you want to look at it. We have clients, Danny, I'm sure you do, uh, that you work with as well, that go through this exercise every year. They look at their Medicare current plan. Is there a better one for them at a lower cost? It's spent, you know, two or three hours. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not, it's not fun either. Unless I realize, hey, I just saved myself 15, 20 bucks a month. But I went, a client of mine just is going through it again this, this, this week. This is a very exciting week for him. And he goes through and he makes sure he's got the right plan. But, he's, but even if he likes his plan, Danny, he goes through it. Just say, hey, you know, especially with Medicare Advantage, we usually recommend Medigap. But he's going through and saying, hey, are they giving me any more freebies? But along with that, are my costs going to be lower? Um, what about Part D? Uh, what can I do? Older Americans leave hundreds of dollars on the table. And you have to go through the homework. And I understand it could be intimidating. But it's really not that difficult to go through. But as soon as you say Medicare and homework, right? It's the scariest Grinchonomics. Face your fear and save yourself a few bucks every month. That's one way to fight inflation. Try to increase your household cash flow. And if you need help, we can help you. Now, we're not going to sell you health insurance, but we're going to help guide you to make the right choices, what to look for, how to do your homework, to make it as easy as possible. And this is something we'll be talking about at the right lane tomorrow in Austin. Rich, so go, going back to those numbers, yeah. I, I can't remember. Do you recall what the average savings was of somebody that actually shopped? 
<sighs> yeah, I was thinking about that as we were talking, but I, I don't, don't hold me to this, but I thought it was something like 20 to 30%. Yeah, that sounds overall. right. Yeah. And I just, I just think, again, it's intimidating for most people to do it. I have one client where she doesn't want to do it, but her daughter helps her with it every year. This is like her Saturday. Like it falls on her Saturday. Whatever Saturday she has, she puts a couple of hours aside with mom's stuff and goes through it. That's a very good daughter. So if you well, she's going to be so much better equipped to do it for herself when that time comes. Yeah, no, and that's what she's looking. I mean, she's in her forties, but she's like, you know what? This is making me me embracing this and understanding it. She goes, she goes, she goes. I'm gonna have to do a workshop at my mom's, (laughs) my mom's assisted living facility. I said, well, let us know. We'll help you out. You know, we can give you slides, and if they're all coming to her for advice, because most people don't know. But as soon as you start to say, hey, listen, you can go ahead and save yourself probably 20 to 30 percent um, and, and get yourself in better shape. Um, so what is it? The Advantage plan, average monthly premiums will be up 19 bucks next year. Uh, Part D coverage will be, you know, on average is around 33 to 44 dollars. Um, this is a good time. We don't want to focus on it too much. If you want, you can go to Real Investment Advice, type up, type Medicare Open Enrollment, Medicare Enrollment in search. Danny and I have written a lot of stuff about it. There are links to all the places you need to go. Do your homework. Ooh, I said like when I was, when Haley was little. Okay, do your homework. Now, inflation, the I word. So Danny, there was a study actually it was from the Energy Information Administration. Nearly half of U.S. households that warm their homes with mainly natural gas can expect to spend an average of 30% more on their bills compared with last year. And that the bills would be 50% higher if the winter is 10% colder than average. How do you like those numbers? And even in Texas... You're looking at a 39% increase in prices. And this is uh, a paper that was published in the Journal of Public Economics. So, Danny, we're not seeing 5% inflation. That's the stated rate CPI inflation. We're not seeing that. I was just telling, I was just telling Brent, I live alone. My electric bill is usually in the height of the summer. I'm not kidding. Like a hundred bucks. Yeah, my my electric bill last month was close to three hundred dollars. I even called my. I said, "Do I have a plan?" I'm pretty sure I do. They go, "Yeah, you do." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I got to change." Just me. It's not five percent. It's much, much more. We want to talk about this. If the winter's even a little rougher here in Texas. Overall, we are going to suffer, but some states are going to see a 74% increase in their prices just with the average normal winter, winter cold. Imagine. Hmm. Something to contemplate. We get back, we're going to give you some actual steps what to do when it comes to combating inflation in your home, your battlefield here 
on Financial Fitness Friday in The Real Investment Show. A lot of consumers, a lot of Americans are still suffering financially from the effects of COVID. And inflation, obviously, in this form, in some cases, generations have never seen it before, is real sticker shock. And it's going to see, and I've said it on the show before, Danny, regardless of the supply chain, that I just don't think it's going to be the retail spending season everybody thinks it's going to be. Um, now, we're almost assured that's not going to be the case based on supply chain issues, unless you've already done your Christmas shopping or holiday shopping already. Um, so there are people, and we're getting it on our YouTube, right, chat. What do I do about inflation? We're going to find ways to conserve. That's going to remind you of what your grandparents did, <laughs> right? Like if it's cold this winter, maybe I'm going to put on an outside. The dogs and I had this discussion yesterday. Um, hey, guys, we might have to just wear our sweaters a little bit more if it gets colder here. Like last year, we may not turn on the heat as much as we did. That's what you yeah, have to do at Nana's. I mean, Grandma Rosso, you walk in, there's like a sweater at the front door because she's not. Yeah, but have you done the math? I mean, when you have the tailor come over for the dogs and they have each have their own quilt and <laughs> and and I get up, you know, for the, the they cold do weather. have their own sweaters. Yeah, I know. yeah, 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 yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, I know you're looking at the money as fungible. You you lose, you're gaining it on this side, but you're losing it on this side. Pound foolish, but conserve is one way that. People are not going to be used to, right? In some ways, walking into a store and not seeing everything you want, is that a good thing? Is that a good thing where maybe I'm not going to splurge? Maybe I'm going to watch how I spend every penny? So this conservation mindset, like when I got my electric bill and I already keep my, you know, I already keep my thermostat, at like 77, like what do I have to go to, 82? Brent would die. Brent's never coming over. Just turn it off. <laughs> Just turn it off. Yeah, he might as well at that point at 77. Come on, Rich. No, but I've got, you know, I've got insulation and all that. It's fine. And I'm just saying is what do you do as far as conserve? What's your con? What are you going to do, Brent? Well, I was going to share with you that we were at my parents' house this past weekend. Uh -huh. And they like to keep it at 80. Because they're old, you know, 92. Hello. They, they like it. They like it warm. I've noticed whole, older people don't have like this. They don't sweat when it's hot. Right. They wear sweaters. Yeah. yeah. So my I've, brother my brother goes in. Yeah. And he can't, he can't handle it. He can't. So he cranks the thermostat down to like 72. He oh, says, my gosh. Hey, Mom, I'm going to spend your inheritance. I'm going to spend my inheritance now. On air conditioning. On air conditioning. And what are they wearing? Like parkas? And oh, yeah. Yeah. Sweaters. Dad puts a washcloth over his head. There's the guy in my neighborhood. He's an older gentleman. God, God bless him. But he's like, in August, he's got like full shirt on, jeans, and a sweater mowing the oh, grass. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I sweat watching that kind of stuff. <laughs> but there's going to be a point where at that age, the, the heat doesn't really bother you anymore. Brent, you're going to be there. Well, that's why I live in Texas. <laughs> 
He just, the heat doesn't bother me. He just sits outside and puts on his parka. So um, looking at your household budget and figuring out how to conserve is going to be an exercise. It's, it's an old exercise, but that's something that we're, we're all going to need to do. If my electric bill usually is 90 bucks and it comes in at 300 bucks, or my gas bill, which is like 25 bucks, is now 55 bucks. I mean, that's just me and, and the dogs. And I don't keep my thermostat low. And I'm like, how are people doing this in a full family? What kind of electric bills are they getting, Danny? 500? I mean, these are significant dollars. And everything is going up. And I am in this camp that to call it transitory is BS. Once these prices go up, they don't come back down. Once Kimberly Clark's raises prices, once Procter & Gamble raises their prices, they don't go and lower them again. Now we're seeing all kinds of strikes going on, right? Like Deere is an example. Deere's got a pretty strong strike going on. Employees want more money. And Deere's posted record profits. They, they prospered last year during the pandemic and workers want more. That kind of inflation is also, per the Fed's definitions, very sticky. And more and more people are starting, they're going to look at real dollars. Like real dollars as far as how much am I making versus inflation. And they're going to start to be unsettled. So I have one client that goes, you know, Rich, I used to eat out three times a week. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it. I mean, I love doing it. I, I, I socialize. Now I've got it down to once a week. I mean, that's a conservation. I mean, I always say like boo, boo frickety who, but, you know, for this person, he, this is his recreation. He's an older gentleman. He likes going out there, spending time with people and eating. He's like, I'm not doing it. I mean, everybody is going to use the word conserve. Another way to save money is get into the office. Business.org just came out with a study. If you work from home, you're spending more. Work from home expenses, 62% report spending more, up to $50 more a month on their internet bill. 49% say, hey, I'm spending up to $50 more on my electric bill. 42% say I'm spending $100 more a month on grocery shopping. I'm going to go to the office and use their electricity. <laughs> so maybe actually going into the office, depending on your commute and your gas prices, yeah. your work from home expenses might be higher than you think. I could see that for a lot of people, especially if you live close to work. But I mean, in Houston, everybody has some type of commute typically. So, you know, like my house is always kind of busy just with lots of people here, kids, you know. And uh, so I haven't seen that big drastic change in price. And then not to mention, we typically bring our lunch just because it's it's more convenient and, you know, save money. So I haven't seen that. But I can understand how a lot of people, it probably would be beneficial to get back into the office and save some money from that aspect. I'm with you, though. I mean, I think packing lunches, I don't like to waste time going out for lunch. 
um, or going even down, going down to pick it up. I, I just, yeah. I would just rather bring it. Plus what I eat lately, nobody wants to eat. So like it's a protein bar or something else, but um, in a way that's your conservation, but you're also conserving time, right? It's a time management. Uh, well, for us, it typically is, is, you know, it's like you can recall, we've got a couple of new employees come in and say, well, do you guys ever leave? I'm like, yeah, when we leave. Because it's, you know, getting down the parking garage, getting out, getting back, dealing with traffic. By the time you get somewhere and eat, it's not an hour lunch anymore, or even a 30-minute lunch. It takes much longer. So, oh, you know, to get to your to car. Like, I mean, I got all, you got to see all the stuff I got to bring to Austin tomorrow. I'm like, why don't I just rent a trailer? Oh, it's I mean, not that bad. Oh, it's business cards. It's, you know, I think there's a person in there. I mean, there's so much junk. I mean, to your point, but I miss making your point. Once you like go downstairs, get to the garage, it's like, why bother? Right. Yes. But another way to do this is you're seeing demand for guaranteed retirement income is surging. Bond yields are low, right? We don't have pensions anymore. Danny and I talk about retirement income through guaranteed annuities all the time. But I think if you have a retirement income stream that's guaranteed, Danny, even though it's maybe not inflation indexed, studies show that you will spend that money. In other words, it might give you bandwidth as to if next year, for example, is not a good year in the markets. What I'm already warning clients is what's going to be your withdrawal rate next year, right? You did a lot of, I have clients that have done a lot of stuff this year. Like they fixed up things, they bought stuff, they got the house renovated. I said, this is the year, last year, this was the, these are the years to do it. Next year's the year to tighten it up. Yep. Because you don't take a fixed percentage from variable assets like stocks and bonds as much as you're told in the mainstream financial media. Yes, it works, but I have to vary that, perhaps that distribution. I think you brought it up Wednesday, right? When we talk about the 4% withdrawal rule for portfolios, when some of the academics we trust said during the pandemic, well, it's really 2.4% because of what's happened. Oh, well, that's not a big cut. Talk about conserve. Now, what if I have to conserve, Danny, when my inflation rate on my energy bills are double digits? Then what do I do? Well, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting more and more clients reaching out that typically I'm saying, hey, guys, how's spending going this year? You know, everything looking good. And they're saying, hey, we need to update the plan. I'm, I'm actually going through my expenses now. And I think it's a little different than what I expected. And so this is a conversation that typically people don't like to have. But I'm seeing that it's it's becoming a little bit more normal and that people are becoming more engaged because of it. And look, the transitory part of this inflationary aspect is likely what, Rich, the commodity part. Exactly. Once the big companies raise prices, those are sticky. So those you do have sticky. that part that's that, that's going to ebb and flow like we always have. But the other part, that's that's going to be here. And, you know, talking about guaranteed income, this is why we don't put everything into one spot. Right. Because you do that aspect that can be inflation adjusted, which is typically what? The equities. That's right. We get back and talk about how equities can help you with inflation up to a point here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay with us for the next segment and the last. So inflation is definitely something, to Danny's point in the last segment, we're going to be living with a higher sustained rate of inflation. When it comes to your planning, as you said, Danny, 
people going to have to really look at their expenses and possibly update their financial plans. Now, their returns have been much better than we than their personal rates of return, which are generated from a plan. In other words, when people look at, oh, I want to beat the S&P 500, and my question is always, why? Remember when you were a kid, that's all you asked, why? And your mother would go, later, I'm having vodka now. Remember that? So, no. oh, I do. Um, why is a good question. And I never get a really good answer. Well, um, uh, eh, eh. you want a personal rate of return that you need to hit the goals on a risk-adjusted basis. When people want to beat the S&P 500, so they have something to talk about at a, at a lunch they can no longer afford because of uh, Grinchonomics, Brandonomics, um, you have to look at and say, What's the point? I don't want to brag about my great returns or I need this amount of return. This is the return, the risk that I'm taking to get it. When I look at my beating the SP 500, Danny, I don't, I'm not looking at the risk I'm taking to possibly get that return. I'm not looking at the drawdown risk. I'm just looking at, Hey, I'm a genius. Well, if I only need 3% to hit my financial goals and I get six, heck, I'm happy. I'm happy. How did I get those returns? So we have to look at people saying, hey, I need to update my plan, especially the needs, and go, hmm, you know, I think that I really am going to need to increase it. My withdrawals or at least my needs are going to change, and not because I'm spending more. It's just because of the inflation aspect. Another way is when you get financial planning programs, when they come out of the box, they have a stated rate of inflation. It's up to your financial partner to study inflation, not only on the wholesale level, but also for any specific goals you have. Do you think your long-term care costs go up by the so-called 2% rate of inflation that the Fed touts as a target? <laughs> target for the Fed. That's sort of funny. Um, right? Do you think your Medicare costs, your out-of-pocket health care costs are going up 2%? Yeah, some costs are. Like we went in, when, Danny? We went into our planning program and said the overall threat of inflation, that number, we raised it to 25 Remember? And we were wondering, like, oh, is it too early? Now I see that I think we did a good job doing that in hindsight, right? Because yep. of sticky price inflation was starting to pick up. Go ahead. Well, I've looked at actually two different plans just yesterday that used the same exact software that we use for just our the foundation of a financial plan. And drastically different in inputs, right? The inflation numbers were much different. The returns is one thing that we typically see that we, we talk about were almost double on one and and more on another. I mean, it's just crazy to see some of these numbers that you look out there and, and, and look at. And the plan looks great, but you need to understand how do you get to these numbers and what does this mean? Are we using really accurate information? And it needs to be updated and changed fairly frequently, especially in an environment like this, where we do see these numbers that – you know, you could say they've been transitory. They went from no inflation to seeing, you know, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and what does that look like? You know, that's that's going to be the key going forward. Yeah. And like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, 
not just from an investment standpoint, but what can you do to fight inflation? Right. I mean, it's 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 an effort. It's a partnership. Now, can you invest in stocks? Is in, is a little inflation good for stocks? Sure. Companies have pricing power. But if their employees are pushing for wage increases and healthcare expenses are going higher, well, what happens to those margins? Well, or say corporate taxes go up, right, Danny? What's going to happen? That stuff gets passed down to us to maintain margins. And now that we're seeing that people are willing to pay, even though on an inflation-adjusted basis, wages are negative, there's going to be a point where they're not going to pay. There's going to be a point where it's going to get uncomfortable for them to pay. And then I don't know what companies do. Then do they have to sacrifice margins? Now, small businesses are already doing that. Small businesses know, listen, we can only pass on a certain amount of cost to our customers. I own a toy store. I own a bookstore. I own a dry cleaner. There's only so much I can do before I, can, I, I can't pass these on to Brent. I've got to absorb some of this, cut my own pay, fire an employee. I mean, the ramifications of the inflation in combo – with higher corporate taxes, I think is those significant headwinds that we're going to see next year. So as a household, you got to be inflation aware. Where is inflation hitting you the most? And then how do I tackle that? Right? How do I tackle that particular item? Like if, if my energy prices are going to go up by 30 to 50%, what do I do? How do I handle it? Now, up north, it's a little bit easier because you just shut everything down and then you put on sweaters and all that. We used to do that as kids. What do you do here? What do you do in, in these states where it's hot and I want to keep the air conditioner on? You get a couple of fans, you put Brent in the middle of them, like you get those turbos. How many times, Brent, did you sit with an ice bucket in front of a fan when you were a kid? Like you had the ice and the ice would melt and then the fan would blow the ice. Like we asked, we had to do that in the summer sometimes. I had to do that when the maid stopped fanning me with that feather. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Clinton. Mm, mm. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Bigger feathers. So it is going to be creative to try to figure this out. But the inflation awareness in your household, as opposed to just paying these higher prices, you'll do that for a while because I don't think we've. It's actually sunk in. Because we're told it's transitory. Don't worry about it. Once the supply chain thing happens, is, is cleared up. And who knows when that's cleared up, by the way. Right? Talking about the massive Jurassic Park maggots. When is that? Like 2024, they open, the, they open, the, those, they open up those shipping cargo things? Woo! And what's in there? I mean, it seems like everything is like just falling apart. So this inflation that's going to stick with us for a while, then your realization hits, right? Don't you think? And you start going, my goodness, this isn't as transitory as I thought. I think the employees at Deer Company finally got that into their heads going, wait a minute. This company's making record profits, right? Our costs are going up in the house. We're going to need to strike. See, employees got leverage now. How many years has it been, Danny, really? Since employees, it's, it's been a long time since employees <laughs> had the upper hand. And you know, I you know. think about 
that the supply chain, Rich, you know, historically, when you look out and you see all these ships sitting out there, you think of other countries. You don't think of the United States. No, you think you don't. Brazil. You think of countries with major infrastructure problems. That's right. And granted, our infrastructure needs to be built up, but it's not just the infrastructure aspect. It's the people aspect. Yes. To your point. And that's where we're having trouble. They're having trouble getting people who can actually unload these things, who can uh, or, you know, truckers, drivers, things of that nature. This is a much bigger problem than I think many people are seeing, or at least what's being reported. I think so. And I think we the impact, the ripple effects of this are not fully felt yet. By next year, middle of next year, the end of next year, I believe there's going to be a big dose of reality for markets and households. Yes, Did you Mr. see where the, the governor of Florida have put, has put out a note saying, y'all come to our ports. We're open. We can unload for you. And I wonder how long it'll take before some of these foreign shippers say, hey, forget the Gulf Coast, forget California, we're going to Florida. I heard that, but I don't really know how quickly that's going to happen. But I, but there are other ports that are, seem to be open. Yeah, just depends on the pain. I guess. Well, it's, I, it's I, the I logistics think, of it all, right? I mean, you yeah. have Long Beach is typically they're, they're bringing stuff in from Asia. Uh, you know, the Gulf, we're getting things from, from other areas. There are some ships that probably go right past Florida, though, that to your point, Brent, that, you know, they could utilize a port there. Um, but, you know, we're, we're more centralized as well, where it's easier to get things and disperse them, you know, from Houston than versus, you know, some of these other areas. So that's part of, probably part of it as well. Listen, I'm bringing a cargo ship to Austin tomorrow with all the junk I'm bringing. Why don't I just add like a, a you know, some goods on there. I'll bring them into Austin. I'll be like Santa. A couple of roll off containers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just bring those. Um, so I, I think this reality hits, I think for many people who are very astute and aware of their own household cash flow, and I do believe people who run financial plans and keep budgets are knowing or understanding the pain now, but most households are just going out there doing their thing, but it's going to hit. And I just don't see these prices getting any better in the face of corporate taxes. So one way, again, if you can invest in stocks, okay, I'm going to look at commodity stocks. I'm going to look at energy stocks. I'm going to look at things that are going to be very cyclical. However, I am might increase the risk of my portfolio as well. Passive income, Danny. People are buying real estate possibly. And then, you know, it's renter nation. I'm going to rent it out. Rents are going up dramatically. Maybe I'll be a landlord if I get my rent. Uh, but where I'm going to own passive investments that are going to create additional cash flow. In other words, in the face of inflation, how do I bring in more cash flow into my household? It's not just conservation, right? It's bringing in more money. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here with us next week, Lance. See you again on Friday. Hope you all have a great weekend. Join us in Austin tomorrow. See my big cargo ship I'm bringing. We love you. Talk to you soon. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.